Hello and welcome to Training in Japan, the podcast that covers all things trains and travel in the land of the rising sun. I'm your host, Karun, and I'm glad to have you joining me for this episode. Last time on the show, our journey exploring the private railway companies in the Kanto region of Japan came to an end with the history of Tobu Railways. Today is all about slowing things down and focusing on the tranquil Japanese countryside, or the Inaka in Japanese. I'll discuss how trains in these parts operate differently to those in the cities, go over the amazing Japanese geography, and as per usual, I'll be finishing up with some recommended travel destinations. I won't keep you waiting, so let's get into it. To get a good idea of the countryside in Japan, you need to understand what the Japanese geography is like, so allow me to give you a quick lesson on the geography of this country. The short and sweet of it is that 73% of Japan is mountainous, with each of the four main islands, those being Honshu, Kyushu, Shikoku, and Hokkaido, all having a mountain range that runs through the heart of them, with many peaks reaching 3,000 meters above sea level, including the famous Mount Fuji, the tallest mountain in the nation with a height of 3,776 meters. Most of these mountains are also heavily forested, with approximately 68% of Japan being covered in forests, with only Sweden and Finland having a smaller forested percentage when it comes to developed nations. In addition to all of this, Japan's rivers are also very steep and fast-flowing, due to the elevation of some of the origin points and the relatively short distance to the oceans, as no point in the country is more than 150 kilometers away from the ocean. The Shinano River, which originates in central Japan before ending in Niigata on the northern coast, is the longest river in the country, and with it being 365 kilometers in length, I think you can understand when I say only the lower reaches of many of these rivers are traversable. In combination with the abundance of mountains and fast-flowing rivers, many valleys and basins, large and small, have formed over the years and cut through the rugged terrain. So due to all of these factors, it comes as no surprise to learn that a majority of the population not only live on the coast, but on large flat plains too. The three largest plains on Honshu also happen to be the location of some of Japan's largest cities or population clusters. The largest and most well-known is the Kanto Plain containing Tokyo, Yokohama, Saitama and Chiba. The next is the Nobi Plain which uh, the city of Nagoya is located in and it's Japan's third most populated urban center. Lastly, the third major plain is the Osaka Plain with Osaka at the heart and Nara and Kyoto at its edges. Apart from being the cultural and political hearts of the nation, these plains also contain a majority of the country's agriculture and industry too. Apart from the plains, most other smaller urban centers are located along the aforementioned riverbanks and valleys deep within the mountainous heart of Japan. So now you know what the Japanese geography is like, I can get into what the countryside is really like, and what you can experience when traveling there. I'll first start with countryside cities like Nagano, Takayama, and Matsumoto, which are all located in the mountains of central Japan. 
These are places that usually have a population of 200 to 300,000 people, with the center of the city usually being the railway station or somewhere close to it, especially if there is a Shinkansen that runs to the area. And the station or the central area of the city is very dense and active most of the time. But if you just travel a few kilometers away from the center of the city, you'll encounter mountains, rice fields, and forests very quickly. Some mountain cities like Nikko will be broken into segments due to the nature of the Japanese topography, with neighborhoods sectioned off from each other due to the mountains, only being connected by road tunnels and railways. As one would expect, these locations are also a lot more quiet and relaxed compared to the bigger cities in Japan, and many also have their own unique characteristics, whether it be the architecture, culture, or food. And there is almost always some sort of local sightseeing spot, such as a shrine, park, or hiking trail. For smaller towns and villages that are sparsely populated, the station is not always located at the center and can be frequently located on the outskirts of the towns. Furthermore, the town center is usually a strip consisting of shops, restaurants, supermarkets, and things of that ilk with a block or two away taking you into the farms, giving areas like this a unique characteristic that you rarely experience unless you've lived there yourself. Like the countryside city though, the local architecture, culture, and food really do come through, along with the local scenery. Seriously, some of the best food and cultural experiences you will have in Japan will most likely come in one of these smaller towns, especially if you are lucky to partake in one of the local festivals. And trust me, most of the local residents will probably urge you to participate in them too. But when you're either not in a countryside city, town, or village, you are going to be traveling on a train in between these places. And I won't lie, this is actually one of the best ways to enjoy the scenery and beauty of the Japanese nature. A lot of the routes the trains take when in the mountains go through valleys and basins, of course, closely following rivers along their course and giving passengers great views of the surrounding area. I would be lying if I said I wasn't slightly jealous of those who frequently use these kinds of trains. If you're not in the mountains and out in the flatter parts of the country, then you'll be catching a train that passes by endless amounts of rice fields that trail off into the distance, with many of the Japanese mountain ranges acting as the perfect backdrop to all of this. As simple as it is, it's quite relaxing just to look out of the train window and watch this world go by, especially during the sunrise or sunset. But what about the actual trains themselves? What are they like? Well, since not many people live in the countryside, let alone use the trains, many lines are only serviced every 45 minutes to an hour, maybe 30 minutes if the line connects to a major station. If you're unlucky, there might be only one service every two hours, and if you're extremely unlucky, the last train might leave at 5 p.m. So it's important to have an idea of what the timetable is like, and when the train does show up, it usually only has two to four cars compared to the 10 to 15 car long trains found in the urban areas. While 70% of Japan's railways are electrified, don't be surprised if countryside areas only have access to older diesel-powered locomotives instead. Personally, seeing these kinds of trains is a good trip down memory lane for me, as I would often take diesel trains to visit my grandparents in Australia when I was a child. 
But overall, even though the trains are a lot smaller and older in the countryside, they rarely get overcrowded. So you should be able to grab a seat and enjoy the sights. Countryside trains also have bathrooms on board, so you don't need to worry about any accidents or uncomfortable situations happening either. As for the stations, I firmly believe that in the countryside, they fall into one of two categories. Concrete slab, only there for commuters to wait on, or architectural genius. Alright, the last one might be a bit hyperbolic, but what I'm trying to say is that a lot of stations you come across in the countryside have some really beautiful designs and architecture behind them, and it really encapsulates what the local area is all about. A great example of this is Shimo Imaimachi Station on the Tobu Nikko Line. Google it after this episode because I don't think I'll do a good job describing how great this station looks. But on the other hand, country station, countryside stations could just be, you know, a concrete slab, literally. But before I finish up on the trains, I'd also like to point out that many lines in the countryside don't support IC cards. Yes, I know, I did say that IC cards are universal across Japan earlier in the Tokyo Metro episode, but I also did say there were exceptions, and this is one of them. Suffice to say, you're going to have to buy paper tickets instead. And even then, some stations won't even have a ticket machine or a person to sell you a ticket. In such a situation, you actually have to buy the ticket on the train like you would a bus. Strange, I know, but there is something quite unique and charming about it all. Just something to be aware of if you do happen to travel out into the countryside at any point. But now it's time for the travel segment of the episode. I'll be recommending a few countryside locations, each offering something unique and different to each other. First up is Nokogiriyama, or Sawtooth Mountain in English, located on the Boso Peninsula in Chiba Prefecture, which is east of Tokyo, and this place was once a former quarry and Buddhist site. This hike, while not easy but not too hard either, rewards you for getting to the summit, where you can get a great view of the surrounding towns and aforementioned Tokyo Bay, including the Miura Peninsula located on the other side of the bay. Speaking of views, this mountain is well known for something called the Jikoku Nozaki, or Peep into Hell in English, and it's part of the mountain that has rails right up to the edge of the cliffs that you can actually peer over, offering stunning sights while also simultaneously making those afraid of heights sick to the stomach. Apart from great views, Nokogiriyama also has two giant Buddhas, temples and the remnants of quarry caves. One of the giant Buddhas, uh, Ishidaibutsu, is the largest cliff-carved Buddha in Japan and really imposes itself from the offset as it looms over you while being surrounded by lush greenery. Other things to check out are the 1,500 Ahat statues sitting in along the rock face, all with a unique facial expression, and the Hyaku Shaku Kanan, a 30-meter statue of the Goddess Mercy carved into the cliffs under Jikoku Nozaki, and it was built to remember those who perished in World War II. I'd like to warn you in advance that while not the hardest mountain to hike, it does get very steep at times, as you will need to climb high steps that scale cliffs. So that is something to be mindful of. Also, please wear correct footwear and don't twist your ankle on the summit of the mountain as hiking back down is not fun at all. And I'm talking from experience. 
But if you want to avoid that completely, just take the cable car up instead. To get to Nokogiriyama, take the train to Hamakanaya Station on the JR Uchibo line, which takes about two to three hours from Tokyo Station. The best route is taking the Sobu line to Soka Station from Tokyo, and then simply transferring onto the Uchibo line. Next up on the travel itinerary is Okutama, a mountain getaway that forms part of the Chichibu National Park. Here you can experience many things like fishing for trout in the Nipara River, where you can actually cook and uh, eat those fish yourself. Uh, you can complement this meal by also checking out the local sake brewery to see how the brew is made and sample some of the stuff yourself. Trust me, it's great. If you want to be more adventurous, you can head into the Nippara Limestone Caves, which are millions of years old and 800 meters deep, as well as having a very low ceiling. Meaning if you're a tall person like me, be careful not to smack your head. Again, talking from experience. All the paths inside the caves are well lit. However, due to the cool temperatures inside, it's also very wet. So please wear appropriate footwear too. And of course, you can have your hiking trail in the form of Mount Mitake, which takes about 90 minutes to climb up or cheat and take the cable car instead. On this mountain, you'll pass through the Mitake-san village, uh, containing many souvenirs and goodies that you can purchase along the way. After all that hiking or cave exploring, you can go and relax at the local Moegi no Yu Onsen to soothe away any aches and pains you may have collected along the way. The perfect way to end the day before heading back to the station in my opinion. Speaking of, to get to Okotama Station, just catch the Chuo Line Rapid from Shinjuku Station direct to Okotama or change trains at Ome Station if there are no direct services. The one-way trip takes roughly 90 minutes. And the last travel recommendation I have for you isn't actually a location, but rather a train line, and that is the Hachiko Line, which runs from Hachiyoji Station in Western Tokyo to Kuragano Station in Takasaki, Gunma. However, all trains continue onwards to Takasaki Station. The Hachiyoji to Komogawa Station section is electrified and continues on to the Kawagoe Line, which obviously goes to Kawagoe. While the remainder of the Hachiko line requires a transfer onto a local diesel-powered train. The reason I want to discuss this line is because it is the perfect route to ride on if you want to travel into the Japanese countryside and relax. You have everything from a forested section in the foothills of the mountains to the endless rice fields, all with the view of a looming mountain range to the west representing the end of the Kanto Plain. The full trip on the line takes about two and a half hours, but trust me, it's well worth it. To get to Hachioji Station, catch the Chuo Line Rapid from Shinjuku or Tokyo and transfer onto the Hachiko Line. Returning from Takasaki Station, you can get on the Shonan Shinjuku Line to get back to Shinjuku or the Ueno Tokyo Line to get back to Ueno or Tokyo Station. You also have the option of taking the Shinkansen back to Tokyo from Takasaki as well. And with that, this rather relaxing episode of Training in Japan has come to an end, and I hope you enjoyed listening. Next episode, I'll be going over the crown jewel of Japan's trains, and that is the Shinkansen, or bullet train. If you want updates on episodes, travel tips, or train news, follow the show on Twitter, at Training in Japan, or on Facebook.
Thanks for listening, and I'll see you down the line.